This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. COVID variants causing concern. What modeling data tells us about the risk of runaway infections? Pfizer delivers. What we're all trying to do is maximize the protection from the available vaccine to the entire population. With the race to vaccinate, surprising results from the front lines. And a romantic moment caught on camera in Stanley Park. I found this couple sitting there in a really cool scene. A photographer tries to find the lovers captured in this image. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Those stories in just a moment. But first, two former Canadian Olympians are at the center of a new COVID-19 controversy. It was sparked by a picture posted on Instagram that appears to show the two legendary skiers in clear violation of BC's health orders. Paul Johnson reports. Three, two, one, go. During his long reign at the top, it is indisputable that Alexander Bilodeau was Canada's king of the moguls. In Vancouver in 2010, he became the first Canadian to win gold at a Canadian Olympics. Then four years later, struck gold again at Sochi. Bilodeau's gold medal in 2010 at Cypress Mountain, that was monumental. Also known for his charity work, Bilodeau is a Canadian of high stature. So no surprise then that this picture got noticed. Posted recently on Instagram, it appears to be Bilodeau with another Canadian gold medalist, Jean-Luc Brassard, doing après ski in Rossland, B.C. From what's publicly known about the two men, both are current residents of Quebec. In that picture, those people, um, some of those people were from out of province and they were here, you know, for a holiday. They've now gone home. Kathy Moore is the mayor of Rossland, the small Kootenay ski town that's had few cases so far and where its Red Mountain Resort is known to be doing a good job with COVID protocols. But like mayors in B.C.'s other ski towns, navigating the pandemic season has been a fine balance. You know, we're trying really hard uh, not to encourage that kind of thing, but it does happen. When you have a ski hill in your town, you're going to get people coming. We would just like them to be a little more local. Health Minister Dix reacted to the picture Friday. With respect to people who uh, make mistakes, well, today is a new day, and it's important now that people follow the rules. It's important today that they follow the rules, because we are in the midst of this. Global News didn't hear back from Bilodeau's spokesperson, and we haven't yet found out if the two Quebecers had a reason other than holiday for traveling to B.C. at a time when people are being asked not to. While British Columbians have a lot of gratitude for what Bilodeau brought us 11 years ago, those making sacrifices and staying home may feel different about this. Paul Johnson, Global News. Well, the past few weeks have seen a vast improvement in the COVID-19 situation Canada-wide. 
Deaths, new cases and hospitalizations are all down from January highs. But the country's top doctor is warning this is no time to relax restrictions because the spread of COVID variants could rapidly cause a third wave of the pandemic. Nadia Stewart reports. The emergence of three variants of concern in all 10 provinces is what has the nation's top doctor calling for caution. As the number of people being vaccinated is on the rise, so too is the number of people being infected with highly contagious variants. If we let go of some of these measures and you don't do it slowly, thoughtfully, bringing the population along with continuing some of their personal protective practices, you're going to see uh, a re- resurgence. The latest COVID modeling released Friday accounts for what experts believe could happen if people continue to follow public health measures. But Tam says the parameters of the model are becoming less useful because of the presence of variants across the country. Population immunity is still low in Canada. Plus, vaccine distribution has been slow. And then you look at a place like Israel or the United Kingdom. They've been vaccinating more people than um, in other areas, and they still had to put in the public health measures to slow down the virus while their vaccine uh, program is escalated. Across the country, there are 660 cases of the B117 variant, the one first detected in the UK. There are 39 cases of the variant first detected in South Africa, B1351, and just one case of the P1 variant first identified in Brazil. Outbreaks associated with the variants have been reported in five provinces. And there is concern about how they're spreading. In recent weeks, outbreaks involving variants of concern have been reported in a range of settings from long-term care homes, hospitals and schools to apartment buildings, a workplace and other community settings. Tam and others are calling for caution, saying the measures in place should not change for the next few months. And any further increase in the number of variants will require a rapid response. Nadia Stork, Global News. So here is a look at BC's COVID-19 numbers for today. We have 508 new cases, bringing BC's total to 75,835. There are six more deaths, meaning we've lost 1,327 people to complications of the virus. 217 are in hospital, 61 patients are in the ICU. Nearly 70,000 are considered recovered, leaving us with 4,486 active cases and almost 7,700 in self-isolation. Let's bring in Keith Baldry now for the latest on the variants here in B.C. Mm -hmm. Keith, what have we learned? Yeah, well, the numbers keep going up, obviously. That's going to continue for some time. But we're not at the level Ontario is at, or Alberta for that matter, when it comes to the variants. The first case was detected in late December. Here's what it looks like since the beginning of this month, since February 1st. We started off the month with 18 uh, cases of the variants. Most of these are the B117 variety uh, associated with the UK. February 12th, just a few days ago, 46 cases. February 16th, up to 60. Today's number, even higher, of course, 72 cases, about 40 of those are, again, uh, associated with uh, the, the B117. So, again, this number will continue to increase. And the real concern, of course, Chris, this is more transmissible, it's more infectious, and it can undo a lot of the work that we've been doing to flatten the curve. Even though we've had an uptick in the last couple of days, we're more concerned now, I think, about the growth in the variants. And hopefully that just doesn't grow. Yeah, all of that while our rollout, our vaccine rollout, is quite slow. But we did hit a milestone yesterday when it comes to vaccinations. 
Yeah, so again, the numbers are going to continue to pile up on vaccines. We're going to get literally hundreds of thousands of doses in this province uh, within a matter of weeks. And Dr. Rekha Gustafson, taking the place of Dr. Bonnie Henry today at today's briefing, walks us through the numbers, including a record day yesterday. Since the start of the COVID-19 immunization program, 192,942 doses of COVID-19 vaccine have been ad administered in British Columbia, 36,000. 923 of those were second doses. Yesterday was uh, the highest number of doses were administered in any single day. 12,250 people received a COVID-19 vaccine in British Columbia yesterday. This is very good news because with every individual that is protected through vaccination, we are all safe, safer. So that continues to be good news on the vaccination front. I'm going to end the week, though, Chris, with a bit of disappointing news. I uh, remember that, uh, that uh, trivia night at that pub in Port Moody where 50 people attended, 15 people contacted the virus and then took it to workplaces, schools and a child care center. I just learned that at the child care center, 22 cases have now been associated with that outbreak at that child care center. It shows you just how uh, transmissible this virus can be. And a reminder to stay in your own household. Thanks very much, yep. Keith. All right, back to the vaccine front now and some better news with developments that could help end the pandemic quicker. New data show, shows just one initial dose of the Pfizer vaccine could be sufficient to establish immunity. And Pfizer has found the vaccine doesn't need such strict handling requirements, making it a lot easier to transport. Aaron MacArthur reports. The data are starting to trickle in. Two weeks after the first jabs in BC care homes, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine offers about 80% protection. The BC study has yet to be verified, but it matches other peer-reviewed studies around the world. BC's top epidemiologist says the protection from one dose is so robust, there is no need to double back when more people could be getting a life-saving first dose. And hospitalizations and deaths that accrue now should be considered vaccine-preventable. Despite the company's own phase three trial data showing 92% efficacy after one shot, Pfizer's CEO says the vaccine was developed as a two-dose regimen. We don't think it will work with one right now. You don't now. think it'll work? No. Epidemiologists conclude the evidence suggests otherwise. I'm really uh, astonished that people are asking the manufacturer for permission to extend the second dose. That's not their responsibility. And they have a different mandate and a different motivation. Pfizer has applied for several revisions to the original labeling. Each vial now contains six doses. Friday, the company appealed to the US FDA to transport and store the vaccine at a much higher temperature. New data suggests special ultra-low temperature freezers are no longer needed. Health Canada hasn't seen a request yet, but any move to make it easier to store and transport a potential game changer. What we're trying to do, what we're all trying to do, is maximize the protection from the available vaccine to the entire population. BC has administered almost 193,000 doses of vaccine, about 12,000 doses a day this week. On Wednesday, more than half were second shots. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. YVR is improving its facilities ahead of the federal government's new testing on arrival and hotel quarantine requirements. Vancouver Airport has reconfigured and cordoned off its international arrivals area 
adding temporary testing stations and some new signage. As of 9 o'clock Sunday evening on the West Coast, all air travelers entering Canada will be required to take a COVID-19 molecular test before leaving the airport and another near the end of their 14-day quarantine. Prior to departing for Canada, they also must reserve a three-night stay in a government-authorized hotel. Well, as public health officials had been warning, pandemic fatigue is becoming a major stumbling block in the fight against COVID-19. We've all been living with the rules and restrictions for nearly a year. And a new poll indicates more than 60% of Canadians are considering spring break activities they know aren't allowed. Richard Zussman reports. The rules may have slightly changed, but for months and months and months, the message has been the same. Keep your distance, wash your hands, follow the rules. Everybody's like navigating hard times. It's hard to be stuck in the same routine all the time. And it's catching up to people. Insights West releasing a poll Friday. People asked whether they followed the COVID-19 rules in their province all the time. Nationally, 48% said yes. In British Columbia, just 34%. People feel like I'm following the rules most of the time, so I'm justified to break them every now and then. Nationally, 34% of people acknowledge they don't follow the rules, but are really careful when they break them. That number goes up to 41% for just BC respondents. It makes no sense now to go in person to do karaoke. It makes no sense now when you can do it virtually to, ha to go and have uh, a trivia event with other people. So why are people breaking the rules? A lot of it has to do with the fact they are exhausted around wearing masks about being cooped up inside and about following the restrictions. The longer pandemics draw out with all the restrictions, the more people get emotionally exhausted. They get sick of the pandemic, sick of talking about COVID, sick of thinking about it. So how do you cure COVID fatigue? The answer, much more complicated than the question. The government needs to be creative in finding messages, even good messages, uh, can grow stale over time. The overwhelming majority of British Columbians are following the rules and are tired of those rules at the same time. The poll also asking about spring break. Nationally, 20% of people planning a trip in less than a month's time. BC stands out here as well. We're one of the least likely provinces to hop on a plane. Like, why would we? The sun's going to shine and the daffodils are out. So we're, you know, we're content to be here. Content around the weather, maybe. But content to follow all the rules? That's a different story. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Speaking of the rules, Vancouver police are looking for a suspect after an iconic Vancouver business was targeted by an aggressive anti-masker. I'm being refused service in this shop where I spent thousands of dollars because I'm not wearing a mask. This is discrimination. The unidentified man posted an Instagram video berating and intimidating the staff of Carisdale Cameras. He'd refused to wear a mask and then refused to leave. The owner says the confrontation frightened employees enough they called police. Shame on every single one of you. Wow. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. Wow. If somebody does come into your store and they're refusing to wear a mask, you have every right as a store owner or store worker to refuse service, as this is a, a provincial health order mandate. Um, if this person becomes violent or aggressive and maybe displays a weapon, um, please call police immediately. Let our dispatch know that that's what's going on and we can uh, attend as soon as possible. 
Now, staff did call VPD back a few minutes later and told them the man had left the building. The VPD are reminding everyone that the fine for not wearing a mask in a public place is $230. And a Kelowna cafe owner says her business is not the place for a constitutional debate on mandatory mask rules. I'm refusing this service because there's a sign on the door. The owner of Bliss Bakery says an incident Wednesday was the third time that the same woman has come into her business, refused to wear a mask, and berated her staff filming the encounter. Darcy Yo says her staff repeatedly asked the woman to leave, and when she refused to do so, they called the police. The woman left before officers arrived. Our crew here asked her to please put a mask on, and she said, no, I don't do masks, and then proceeded to... Um, lectured my staff in regards to the fact that she didn't have to wear a mask, that it was against her constitutional rights, and in fact she's a constitutional lawyer, and that uh, we were in violation of her rights. Under Canadian law, private business owners are under no obligation to serve anyone. The countdown to the Variety Show Parts Telethon continues. We've been showcasing just how Variety helps kids with special needs across B.C., and the impact your donations have on these kids and their families. And as we lead up to the Variety Show of Hearts Telethon tomorrow from 1 p.m. to 5.30 p.m., we want to give you the opportunity to support the children's charity right now. So help kids in need and join the list of donors you see at the bottom of your screen by donating right now. Call 310KIDS or go online. And right through to the end of the news hour, Buy Low Foods is matching your donation. So this really is the best time to give to Variety. Thank you, Carol Sevalief of Vancouver for your $50 and everybody else who you see donating at the bottom of the screen. All right, bylaw officers facing threats they didn't sign up for. Why the city of Victoria is calling for some backup after a number of violent confrontations. That's next on the news hour. An adoring couple didn't even know they were being photographed. And now the guy who took that picture is appealing for help to find them. That's coming up on the News Hour. And a bobcat frozen to the tracks, the train conductor who rode the rails to the rescue later as well. Right now, though, with homeless encampments taking over public parks in Victoria, the city's top cop says bylaw officers are regularly being chased and threatened while on duty. Kylie Stanton has more on the growing risks faced by park patrollers and the temporary backup plan approved by council. The tents are multiplying by the day, taking over Victoria's parks and parking lots alike. But as the pandemic wears on, these encampments are becoming increasingly difficult to monitor. Bylaw staff uh, are regularly challenged. Uh, they're challenged by individuals who are uh, confrontational, aggressive, on Thursday, Victoria's police chief approached council. The request is a very focused request. Seeking nearly $76,000 to extend a regular camp patrol. It is for two officers for four hours a day to support bylaw. Mannix cited an incident that happened here at Cecilia Ravine Park just Thursday morning, where two bylaw officers were threatened with a shovel, forced to lock themselves inside their vehicle, where they called Victoria police for backup. Officers disarmed the man at gunpoint, 
In recent weeks, other weapons have also been seized. This baseball bat with nails and razor blades embedded in it was found in a tent at the Royal Athletic Park encampment, along with these two replica firearms. What's a life worth to you? Or, or a city worker getting injured um, and seriously assaulted. City staff confirm there are currently four parks where Bylaw will not visit without police presence, creating a trickle-down effect to staff in the parks and public works departments. This, from my perspective, is a health and safety issue. Uh, we are not going to put our employees at risk uh, or in potentially very dangerous situations. Despite concerns about ongoing increases to the police budget, council approved the spending in an 8-1 to one vote. In favour. Okay, so that carries. I mean, if the police weren't available to go into the park with our bylaw officers, our parks would be turned over to complete anarchy. The funding will be in place until March 31st of this year, when council expects all campers will have transitioned into housing. But if that's not the case and the need still exists, Victoria Police will continue to push for resources. Public safety, safety of the campers, safety of staff and safety of our larger community is paramount. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Still ahead, a thief steals a truck with a little boy still inside. God, I was just flabbergasted. What the boy did to escape and how dad got his truck back. Also ahead, a major shakeup at the site of one of the deadliest COVID outbreaks. How families are reacting to the resignation of the director. Traffic is now steady over here westbound at the Portman Bridge after clearing a multi-vehicle crash at the West End. Lots of lanes were blocked, but now it's all reopened and moving well. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $60 million, plus an estimated six max millions. Lotto Max dreamed the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Portman Bridge. There's been a happy ending to a bizarre auto theft on Vancouver Island. Aaron Johnson had pulled up to a gas station in Qualicum Beach to pick up some gaming cards for his two sons. But just as he entered the store, a woman jumped into his pickup truck and took off with his eight-year-old son still inside. The boy pleaded with the woman to pull over and let him out, which she did. Johnson had left his phone in the truck and was able to speak with the woman who was having a crisis and convinced her to return the vehicle about 45 minutes later. And she did. You know, I reached out, you know, I just reached out on the phone and said, listen, you know, you can find a new way of life, right? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in recovery myself. So, um, you know, I, I, I believed to give her some grace. And I said, you know, my son's safe. If you bring my truck back, you know, I'm not going to persuade the, the, the police to charge you. But, but, you know, get some help, get some treatment. The woman has been taken to Nanaimo Hospital for an assessment. The executive director of the Vancouver long-term care facility that had BC's deadliest COVID-19 outbreak has resigned. 41 people died in that outbreak at Little Mountain Place. And as John Hua reports, one woman who lost her grandmother says families still have many questions about how things were handled. She was the person in charge when one of the worst long-term care COVID-19 outbreaks in this province ripped through Vancouver's Little Mountain Place. Executive Director Angela Miller, seen in this video with residents during the pandemic, 
has officially resigned. I had zero faith in what she was telling us, and every time we tried to get more answers, it was essentially a copy and paste of previous responses. Many families blame a lack of urgency, accountability, and transparency for the outbreak that spread to 171 residents and staff and claimed 41 lives including Chung's grandmother. Essentially, I was brushed aside. I was told that, you know, protocols were in place. Everything was being done by the book. But according to new information requested by Chung, Vancouver Coastal Health's licensing office found Little Mountain Place in non-compliance for insufficient staffing at the beginning of the outbreak and not implementing ordered enhanced cleaning procedures. While those issues were immediately addressed, Chung says what Miller told them wasn't true. Either she, uh, like actually didn't know what was going on, which is even more alarming, or she just didn't want families to dig deeper. Miller did not respond to Global News' request for comment in time for this report, but Vancouver Coastal Health confirmed her resignation. Families who lost their loved ones at Little Mountain Home say more still needs to be done. A person has stepped down. People are quite right to say one person, changing one person is not everything. There's uh, a lot of work left to be done. Chung calls Miller's resignation a small step in the right direction. I see it as an admission of wrongdoing. While nothing will bring her grandmother back, more proof that real change is being made to prevent this from happening again might at least start the healing. John Hua, Global News. Just ahead, from dialysis to distance runner. It's just made a huge uh, improvement in my life. An amazing comeback for a hockey coach who got a kidney transplant thanks to the love and devotion of his team. And later, how a train conductor saved a bobcat frozen on the tracks. Portion of the program is brought to you in part by Bilo Foods. Traffic is moving well over here tonight at the Massey Tunnel in both directions. Keep in mind, lane closures southbound past the south end for some utility upgrades between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $60 million plus an estimated six max millions. Lotto Max streamed to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. Well, one year after they entered the race of a lifetime together, two BC men are marking their milestone anniversary with a 5K run. They're sharing their transplant story, hoping it will change the lives of others awaiting the gift of life. Catherine Urquhart reports. Ready? Yeah. Let's do this, buddy. Let's go. Today, Stephen Gillis is happy and healthy, about to run 5K with his friend, Michael Tagan. I feel amazing. My blood work has all been good. Uh, I'm 40 pounds heavier. Uh, I don't look like Skeletor anymore. (laughs) Rewind a few years ago, and the beloved hockey coach's kidney function was close to zero. The kids he taught made a video. We need your help. Stephen really needs a kidney. Which quickly went viral. What? Then his friend Michael delivered some shocking news. We're a match. I'm going to give you my kidney. What? Yeah! For real? <laughs> Several months later, the transplant happened. Now, one year after the surgery, a celebratory run. I'm amazed that they could take my kidney out and put it into Stephen, and Stephen's playing hockey in five days. Gillis says he's hoping the province will prioritize dialysis patients for COVID vaccinations. He's also encouraging others to seriously consider organ donation. 
it's the biggest gift that you can give. And like Michael has shown through his example and his leadership that, you know, you leave a legacy. Yeah. Feel great. And uh, wouldn't have been able to do it without this man right here. Love you, man. Love you too, Stephen. Good work, bud. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Awesome. Yes, for sure. All right. We are less than 24 hours from the start of the Variety Show of Hearts Telethon. And tonight, a dramatic example of how your donations can change lives. Thanks to the support of our Global BC viewers, 14-year-old Jenna got a new wheelchair that costs as much as some cars. And as you'll see, it's been transformative. I really, really, really love to ride around on grass. It's the funnest thing ever. Like most kids, 14-year-old Jenna loves to spend time outdoors, but her condition can limit her ability to enjoy herself. Genevieve has cerebral palsy, a spastic quadriplegic, which means she has very high muscle tone in all four limbs. So spastic means that my muscles are constantly fighting against each other. Your hips are usually like this when you sit, but instead they're like this and it's bashing into my thigh bone and it's extremely flippin' painful. <laughs> Jenna received her current chair when she was just nine years old. And as much as it helps her, sitting so much often causes her pain. It limits my mobility more because I always have to be in bed. But I have good days and bad days. Today feels like a pretty good day. <laughs> She's very much in need of a new chair. Her new chair will have some of the similar features that the one she has now, but it also will have a recline feature, which will allow her to take pressure off of her hip. Well, take a look at this. I love it. I love it so much. You have no idea how good this one This is Jenna's new chair, made possible in part thanks to donations to Variety from you, our viewers. Jenna's new chair allows her to fully recline, taking weight off her hips, and redistributing it evenly across her entire back. It also allows her to tilt forward, which lets her stretch her legs and makes it a lot easier to reach things. Very cool. All right, Jenna will be visiting us on the 55th annual Show of Hearts Telethon, and we may even have a surprise for her too. So be sure to tune in tomorrow from 1 until 5.30 p.m. right here on Global. And thanks again to all those donors. The names you're seeing across the bottom on our ticker. Mm -hmm. Really appreciate it. Hope you'll join us tomorrow. All right, just ahead, Cupid with a camera. What I'm doing now is I'm trying to find them. A local photographer snaps a sweet photo of a couple he doesn't know, hoping you can help find them. Also tonight, satellite debris. <laughs> You're watching Global News Hour at 6. As one cold cat, train conductor Kobe Reed posted this picture on Facebook of a bobcat frozen to the railroad tracks. Apparently, the animal was eating some game, but with temperatures below zero, it became stuck to the steel. Reed and crew jumped to the rescue and, using some warm water, were able to free the cat. The bobcat apparently was not very thrilled to let go of its meal. He was in the middle of dinner. I mean, yeah. he was interrupted. <laughs> All right. Let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon. This day seems so promising 
when I drove into work, Christy, <laughs> not so much driving home. No, and the weekend's going to be a rather a bit of a soaker as well. We've got high stream flow advisories for many areas across the coast, and I'll show you why in a second. Some areas expecting 200 millimeters of rain. But first, I want to show you pancake ice, which I learned a little bit about today. This is from the Nechaka River near uh, Prince George. Bonnie sending us that, and it's basically very young ice or slush that's on a moving body of water. So it could be on an ocean as well. And as it moves down or has the um, sort of the flow of the water, it bumps up against each other and it accumulates that ice into this pancake form. It gets larger and larger as it continues to bump up against each other. And that's also why you see the sort of those crushed edges. So there you go, everyone. Pancake ice. It also looks like lily pads, in my opinion. All right. Here's the high stream flow advisory for all coastal regions. Heavy snow in through areas like Kitimat. Two, uh, they've had 35 centimeters of snow and potentially 200 millimeters of rainfall is on the way. And here's the reason why. An atmospheric river classified as a category two, which not exceptional, but with all the snowfall that we have across the region and rising uh, freezing levels as well as the rainfall. In addition to that, we could see some localized flooding, not major flooding, but minor flooding is potential all the way from the north coast, especially Kitimat, down through the south coast, including the west coast of Vancouver Island. For us, we are not expecting that rain until later tomorrow. It's more so Sunday that's going to be wet, but we'll continue to see that mild wet weather on Monday also. Tonight's central windows weather window, a fun way to finish off a work week. Hello weekend. Eve Martin sending us that, the last little snowman with the greatest hairdo. <laughs> That's right. Paid a lot for that, I'm betting. A lot of volume in that hair. Uh-huh. All right, thanks, Christy. A Vancouver photographer is on a mission. He was taking pictures during the long weekend snowstorm when he came across two lovebirds in a perfect pose. Linda Aylesworth has more on how he's trying to get the word out, hoping to give them the reminder of their special moment. On the Saturday before Valentine's Day, Ben Glasgow, like so many of us, woke up excited to see snow outside his window. That was my day for sleeping in, and I, I said, you know what, it's, I, I, this only happens once a year if we're lucky in Vancouver. So he grabbed his camera, like any self-respecting professional photographer would, and headed out just down the street to Stanley Park. What I get out of being a photographer full-time is, is finding moments and capturing mood. There were plenty of opportunities for that, particularly when his hunt for the perfect photo led him to Prospect Point. I did see this one couple standing right there in that perfect moment with the snow coming down and the bridge in the background. It was just beautiful. It was beautiful, but Ben had no idea just how much until he got home and that presented him with both an idea and a problem. And I thought, oh my gosh, I need to find these people. I want to give them this photo. I want to give them a print of this photo. But how? They had exchanged hellos, but that was all. Ben turned to social media. And I thought, I need to put this out on as many platforms as I can. Vancouver, I need your help. So I made that TikTok video pleading Vancouver to help me. And when I got to the bridge, I found this couple sitting there in a really cool scene. A week later, Ben still hasn't been able to identify the romantic mystery couple, but he hasn't given up. If anyone knows, knows this couple, if they recognize them, if they know someone who was in Stanley Park around 9 a.m. the day before Valentine's Day, 
hoping they can reach out to me. You can do that by checking out Ben Glasgow Photography online. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Oh, that's a framer. It really is a framer, isn't it? Uh, Okay, here's Squire with a look ahead to sports. All right, well, the way uh, things have gone for the Canucks so far this season, even a one-game win streak can lift their spirits. Everybody's more happy uh, to see more smile, and uh, just the vibe around the rink is better. And if the lotto line can hit on some of these one-timers, tonight against Winnipeg, they'll be even happier. Mm-hmm. Also tonight, a satellite debris every parent will love. Enjoy it. We've come up with an entire life story for that couple. Very curious about what <laughs> backstory. We There'll be a yep. sequel. Yeah. <laughs> People will binge it over six seasons on Netflix. We've got All to find them. Do you think those that couple that was kissing during the 2011 riot are still together? Oh, we oh, should find out. Find that follow up. Too. Ten years. Well, almost. we're talking about couples that were in photos. Let's go with that one. Uh, the uh, Canucks are going with reverse retro. There it is. Reverse retro uniforms when they face Winnipeg tonight. They'll uh, do this through the whole four-game homestand. Now, they need to make these uniforms look good. They have to play the same way they did against Calgary on Wednesday. The Jets also like the Flames. Four games in hand on the Canucks. So Vancouver can't let Winnipeg get further ahead in the standings. Barry is at the rink with a preview. It's obvious the Canucks are playing their best hockey of the season over the past couple of weeks. They haven't really gotten the results, just two wins, two losses, and an overtime loss. But you can see the crispness in their game that they are starting to finally put it all together. Goaltending's gotten better. The lotto line is really starting to put it together. And now they've got to keep that going to move up the standings. Our team has to work hard to win. And after games, when you've really laid it out there, uh, it's a good feeling when you win, and that's why we play. Uh, we don't play to just go and work and and lose. Like everybody's more happy, uh, see more smile, and uh, just the vibe around the rink is better. Winning brings that on to a team, and uh, obviously it's more fun. Uh, everybody likes to, like I said, everybody loves to win. Just like that's why we play the game. During the losing skid, the Canucks were turning over pucks and spending a lot of time in their own zone defending. An emphasis on exiting the zone with quick short passes has helped solve that problem, and it's in turn helped their offensive output. Supporting each other more out of our zone has led to way better forechecks. We're turning more pucks over, getting more pucks in the net, and even just our shot totals. Um, We had a few games there we were getting over 40 shots. Uh, We didn't have that the first 10 games of the season. The Canucks and Jets have only met once so far this year, a 4-1 Vancouver win in Winnipeg three weeks ago. The Jets begin the day two points ahead of the Canucks in the standings, but they have played four fewer games. And Winnipeg, like the Flames and Oilers, a team Vancouver is going to have to catch if they're going to make the playoffs. At Rogers Arena, Barry DeLay, Global Sports. Yay or nay, reverse retro. Just explain what it is. I don't, this whole reverse, it's an odd collection of words, reverse retro. But do you like the blue-green? I don't mind it. All right. Apparently it looks very good in warm-up. I've heard from some people down there say it looks very good in warm-up. All right. Uh, Let's take a look at some other games in the NHL. Uh, Flames and Oilers playing. And Jesse Pugliarvi back with the Oilers after doing some purgatory in his native Finland. And he's actually played pretty well so far this year. one nothing for the Oilers over the Flames. Oh, I want to show you this good goal by Patrick Kane. They didn't win tonight, Chicago. They lost to Carolina. But Patrick Kane 
Oh, the Spinorama backhand. Well, the Carolinas go with the old school Hartford Whalers uniforms, kind of. The lead cut in half. They lost, but Patrick Kane is ageless. 32 and still playing at that level. Uh, Ladner's James Paxton signed a one-year deal with the Seattle Mariners after a rather painful 2020 with the New York Yankers. Yankees make that. He underwent surgery for a herniated disc in February, but he says he came back too soon, then hurt his arm and was done for the season by August. I thought that I was okay, but looking back at it now and looking at my mechanics, um, my back leg just wasn't getting off the rubber very well, and uh, it was making my arm drag behind me. And everything was just moving slow because of that. And it actually put my arm in a uh, dangerous position. And that's what I think uh, caused the injury to my flexor. Uh, it was just my mechanics being off and not having my strength back to 100%. So I really focused this offseason on getting my strength back and my core and my back. And uh, did a lot of work on my mechanics. And I'm back to feeling really good right now. All right, Genesis. Invitational from Riviera in Los Angeles. Dustin Johnson's 29 feet away. And he's got to put a bend. This has got to get on the offer. Get out of the way! Go on. In. Does that guy not know where the camera is? The uh, runaway leader here is American Sam Burns. Johnson is tied for second at seven under. But uh, Burns, Mr. Burns, excellent Smithers. Uh, at 12 under par, five shot lead. Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin both made the cut. Taylor minus one, Hadwin even par. Aussie Open finals start with the women's final just after midnight tonight. American Jennifer Brady taking on Naomi Osaka, who was a huge one-to-five favorite. Then after midnight on Saturday, Novak Djokovic going for his ninth Aussie Open title against uh, Daniel Medvedev, who is dangerous. And because of that, Djokovic is only a slight six-to-five favorite. That's it. That'll be a good match. Okay, it thank you, Squire. Satellite Debris is next. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Powder King living up to its name there in the old snow report. <laughs> All right, ready to end the week on a high note? Oh, yes, I am. Okay, so uh, we don't have a lot of time in satellite debris, so I had to eat, cut this uh, Huggies baby commercial down just a bit. But there's enough in it still to entertain all of us. <laughs> Baby, hi. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to Earth, home to 8 billion humans who were also once babies. Even him. Right now, you only need to know two of them, and together you make a family. These are also families. Neat, huh? Now, you're kind of a big deal around here. Watch this. Do anything right now. That baby is called Control. Enjoy it. 
Oh, and this? Oh, yeah. That won't fly when you're older, kid. You go through a phase where you think everything is edible. Most of it isn't. But sometimes... You can literally sleep whenever you want. Or not. Oh, so Dad's head isn't on upside down. That's just a beard. Yep, being a baby is pretty great. Everyone is always thrilled to see you. Well, almost everyone. You can go. Like, go whenever nature calls. That's where we come in. We're Huggies. Hi. We make these and these and other stuff to help your parents keep you comfy. So you have time for something important, like finding your foot. Get some rest now, kiddo. We'll be here when you wake up. Which should be right about... Huggies, we got you, baby. That's a good one. So and we all were at one point. Uh, yep. Okay, so uh, this one is for uh, chips or crisps or however you want to say it. New McCoy's Fire Pit. Don't deny the beast. You want to try those? Yeah. You want to try them with the big arm or just sure. buy them normally from well, a store? Normally. Last but not least, uh, Pedigree would like you to think about adopting a dog before these animals. Come on, Rusty. Come on, let's go home. Rusty! Only Mrs. Lawrence. Again. Bruno, come back here! Bruno, you bad, bad bird! How you guys doing back there? How do you think we're doing? He's into it. Maybe you should get a dog. The Pedigree Adoption Drive. Help us help dogs. How do you think we're doing? That's the best line. <laughs> the grandma in the backseat. That was great. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Uh, listen, tomorrow is the 55th annual Show of Hearts Telethon. Sophie and Christy and I will be making appearances tomorrow right here on Global mm -hmm. from 1 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. along with Paul and Nitu and Caitlin and lots of other special guests. And already, BC, you have been showing us your heart. See all those names on the bottom of your screen? Mm -hmm. Thank you to all of the variety fundraisers out there and our generous viewers. Variety is now able to help 500 kids. That means kids will not have to wait for the equipment and services they need. So keep on calling. We want to see if we can help 600 kids by the end of the night. Buy Low Foods is still doubling donations, so this is the best time to call 310KIDS. You have 12 seconds left in the news hour <laughs> to do it, but the phone lines are still open, so... Call away all <laughs> evening if you want. Thanks a lot and have a great weekend, everybody. Good night, all.